everyone, this is Gilbert Jalad. I'm talking to you here from Private Corporate Council, downtown Orlando. This is Tufts on Tax, where all your tax questions and answers are right here with Mr. T. Scott Tufts, the expert when it comes to taxes and tax law. Tufts, how are you? Good to be with you. Good to be with you too today. And uh, we have another subject. It's update on Corporate Transparency Act. Can we? Can you explain to us? Yeah. So while not a um, thought of as a tax topic, we've covered this in the past, but this is kind of coming on fast. Mm-hmm. Remember, the Corporate Transparency Act is this idea that the Treasury Department has a arm of the Treasury Department called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, and they're implementing these rules that or looking to implement these reporting rules that are going to go into effect on January 1, 2024. So less than six months from now, this new law that was going to provide for corporate transparency was going to take effect. And as, as, as with everything in life, when a new law comes, there's the details and how it's going to be um, handled. And so uh, this is going to have a major impact on how folks look at formations of companies. Uh, then by that definition of, of formation, you get into the tax issues because you cannot form an entity without understanding the tax implications and the legal and liability issues. That's why it's uh, viewed by many of the bar, um, the, the various state bars as a, uh, the practice of law. So it's not something that's cookie cutter. You, you know, how you go about forming an entity, why you form an entity, and then what tax elections it makes are all part of it. But what the, the added wrinkle to this um, Gilbert, is that it's going to create these transparency rules. Now, remember what those are. Those are the beneficial, um, you know, they call them the beneficial owner information reporting. What they're looking to do is drill down on uh, who's forming the entity and who owns the entity and who's in substantial control of the entity. Forget who, 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 whose name it is in it's kind of wanting to look through and say, who do we go to that is really the movers and shakers in the organization? Understand? Yeah. So let's say you form a company for a friend and he says, or she says to you, Gilbert, form a company, but I want your name on it, but I'm going to be the one that's really in charge. Let's say that happened. Okay. These rules are guided at having you identify in the reporting, your friend. Understand? Yeah. And if your friend is the true mover and shaker, and yet you're held to this reporting obligation, are you going to be, what are you going to do? Now, you know, granted, you might say, uh, I'm going to just go along with this, but given that it's the Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, I suspect that you're going to have a pause, and that is the intent of these rules, to look past it. Now, one of the things that's starting to happen is as everybody gears up and gets ready, right, it's less than six months away, somebody starts to really worry worry about this, right? 
while law firms and other places that were involved in the, oftentimes are involved in the formation or assisting in the formation of companies, they start to worry, are they a reporting agent? Do they have to be identified? And so while they may assist their clients in understanding the Corporate Transparency Act, the issue is going to be, are they themselves need to get listed? And the good news is they do appear to say, no, we're going to leave the identified people to be the applicant and the substantial, you know, those who are in substantial control as those who they want to identify. Understand? The problem you're going to get into, and you and I remember at the prior episode, we talked about the example. Remember I gave the example of eight people. Okay? okay. So there's eight people in the corporate involvement. And remember we talked about that. We have four non-officer shareholders and four non-shareholder, I mean, four shareholders who are non-officers and four different officers, remember that, who don't have any ownership. And we just pointed out to people that all eight need to get listed. Understood? So this is where this is going. But what's starting to happen is the politics and the worry of the what, what I would say is the devil in the details. Because the devil in the details is, okay, so how is this going to get implemented? And then here's the interesting thing, Gilbert, that... Um, the Florida Bar uh, article that I saw is uh, pointing out, and it's a good one. Now they're worried about auditing. So let's just say, so the question becomes, what about banking? How is banking going to interact with FinCEN on these rules, right? Also, what kind of auditing is going to be done? Meaning that who's going to look at the information and determine that if you put down Daffy Duck in Mickey Mouse that someone follows up and says, well, we know that ain't right. We know Daffy Duck and Mickey Mouse are not mm-hmm. the people. I was going to ask you, like, what are when they're auditing, what are they looking for and what oh, raises the flag? Well, this? And, and that's a great question. So if you put Daffy Duck in Mickey Mouse, and again, I'm using that as an example. Of I'm course, yeah. not trying to disparage Daffy well, or Mickey. we are in Orlando. Right, 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 right. So... But I'm not disparaging Daffy or Mickey, but understanding what I'm doing, I'm mm-hmm. saying that something that's obvious that Daffy and Mickey did not form the entity, right? But you put them down. Mm-hmm. Your obvious question is who's going to catch it? Who's mm-hmm. going to immediately yeah. you know, send up a flag? Uh, who's going to say, well, we know that ain't right, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, when if I put down... And again, I'm, I'm just trying to give an example. What happens if I put down on one of these reports, Abraham Lincoln? Well, it's technically possible there might be an Abraham Lincoln out there, right? With the same name as the former president, you know, the president. Um, but shouldn't it cause a red flag? Because someone's obviously trying to put down whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're, we're, we're raising kind of silly examples, but we're trying to point out your question, which is who's going to follow up on it and what kind of follow-up mm-hmm. will occur. And that is exactly the debate they're having in understanding, okay, then how far you go. Mm-hmm. Are you picking off just the obvious issues or are you going to go in and really look at it? And then the bankers have a concern because what, what requests and information can be shared, right? So, for example, does FinCEN share all this information and create a database who gets access to that database? Mm-hmm. 
right? So who gets to pull the, the BOI reports? Who gets to investigate the BOI reports? Mm. Understand? Yeah. So when they audit, do they yep. audit those periodically or just – and what makes them think to audit this particular – Exactly. So, so that is the point, Gilbert. The, what are the rules? What are the, mm-hmm. what are the regulations that are going to describe when they're going to audit, how they're going to audit, exactly. the details of the audit? Correct? Yeah. And then uh, the other thing is this database. Who's going to protect this database, right? How can you access the database? Can I do a Freedom of Information Act and go get the beneficial BOI reports? I I suspect not. Again, this is an internal mechanism for FinCEN. Who? Who are they? Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how you call them? Uh, Well, yeah, that's that's FinCEN. That's interesting. But, But... if you think about it, mm-hmm. they're in a very particular focus, right? They're looking for who? They're looking for crimes or potential crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is internal. So like we say with, with tax information, the IRS is supposed to hold your tax information confidential between you and them. So it's very important for IRS personnel not to share that information without going through a lot of steps into what, when they can, how they can, so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that means that taxpayers should be somewhat comforted by the fact that your information isn't supposed to go out and be proliferating, right? So it's the same kind of concept. Who who has this information and and who's entrusted with it and what are the rules to protect it? And so this is playing out now and we'll have to do another episode mm-hmm. on, on what comes up because the concern now is because of the devil in the details, this will delay the launch date. Now, we don't have any indication of that, so it's all, everything's ready to go. So January 1, 2024, this, this has got to happen, is what they, they're yeah. saying. I see. But, it, but now the Florida Bar article that came out is saying, hey, um, not so fast. And by the way, the article is uh, Jonathan Warner, um, Jason Warner. Uh, he's a t- you know, it's a tax law article. But again, we, we get to see here what is really going on, which is when you go to identify beneficial owners, you're also looking at who the ultimate taxpayers are, right? In some way, either directly or indirectly, right? And so if you don't wish to have your identity known as being the owner of a company, but these rules require it, right? As part of a reporting to the FinCEN network, mm-hmm. the, the obvious question to ask is, who can access that information and how easily is it accessible and what are the ground rules for it? Because we're talking about sharing information that is doing far more than just identifying who's on Sunbiz or other publicly disclosed information. Right? So So this is really this is you know, it's really an important issue if you think about it, because everybody thinks about how they form entities and they might have a general reluctance let's say there's nothing wrong with saying i'll tell you who our president is right i'll tell you who our manager is right but i don't think it's necessarily important that you know who the ownership is what happens if you have a family that owns it and you don't want and nor do you think you should have to disclose the family members that own it right let's say it's a family trust let's say a business has been in the family for years and it's in multiple generations 
you have to list every you have to tell the general public that who owns it I, I I'd say no and I'd say most people would say no you shouldn't have to do that but the mechanism of reporting is attention is there because on our corporate reporting when you form an entity you have to identify who can bind the entity so you think about that Gilbert it'd be the president right a manager of an LLC a general partner of a limited partnership you understand you got it and you want that and you know why you want that you want that because let's say I have a business and I'm interacting with you who do you know that you can get sign a contract Right? I say, well, Gilbert, I'm Mickey Mouse, and I'm signing the contract. I assume you're going to say, um, Mickey, it's, that's not going to work. I doubt you're Mickey. I don't think you're Mickey. And so you'll go on the public sites and see who's in charge of the business that you're contracting with. Right? And then when we look, you look, and it doesn't say Mickey, it says so-and-so, then that's who you're going to say, well, I need that person to sign. See how that works? So you're, this is very important in terms of, of corporate governance, who's in charge. And I think far too often people are just flying by the seat of their pants doing these annual reports without thinking through the tension between who's in charge, right, who's really in charge, and who's the face of the organization that you can look to to bind the company. Okay, and so I think it's really important. And by the way, on that point, final point, um, when we're talking about who's in charge of entities, right, uh, Florida's LLC law, for example, has a statement of authority that you can file a separate paper that can at any point in time and throughout the lifeline of an organization, of an LLC at least, you can put on the, co- the public on notice who's got authority and who doesn't to either sign deeds or to transact and enter into contracts. So the states are kind of aware of the importance of what we call apparent authority, and so that's important. But anyway, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the Corporate Transparency Act as we un, uh, as this, as we get closer to January 1, 2024. So in conclusion, just uh, real quick, so when it comes to update on Corporate Transparency Act, what are the what should we be concerned about what to do and what not to do? Yeah, so I think we want to be on the look for um, the implementing things. Number one, is it going to go, so step one, is it going to go into effect January 1, 2024? Be okay. on the look for that. Okay. Step two, what kind of database is created and, and forms for you to use to fill out? So if you're forming companies come January 1, 2024, a little buzzer should be going off in your head saying, uh, do we have to do that BOI report, right? Number three, what does the BOI report require you to do? Number four, what is your client or who you're forming entities for? Uh, what are they? What do they think about that? Are they willing to provide what the rules require in terms of disclosing the applicant and the the uh, those in substantial control, right? If not, does that affect how you set up the entity? If not. Why not? If not, what do you do? So those who are forming entities cannot be passing this off. They got to be ready and geared up to know how they're going to handle this. And us lawyer types need to be ready to advise on that. And then I think in our bigger picture, this is going to impact how 
the world comes together in terms of transparency when it comes to especially in the international market we have a lot of folks who come in from international markets who are definitely not interested in identifying themselves as being the movers and shakers behind a uh, ownership and i think that's going to raise some real questions so we're all going to have to know these rules backwards and forwards so be on the lookout for rules and regulations that are coming out to tell us what's going on that's a great point, and that sums it up. Well, folks, uh, you heard him. If you have any questions about that, you can always uh, reach out Mr. T. Scott Tufts at 877-647-7887. Again, 877-647-7887. That's the same number at a 407 area code. You can also email him at stufts at uh, pcc.law. Again, that's stufts at pcc.law. You can visit Visit the website at privatecorporatecouncil.com or pcc.law. Thank you and have a wonderful day.